D-A-K-I-C-K-B-A-C-K. Another episode of The Kickback with Sabrina, Sharika, and E.B. Sit back, relax, and vibe. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you're choosing to listen to (laughs) us, as you can tell, you know, if you hear me or Sabrina starting the podcast, you already know what it is. But you are listening to the kickback. Don't get confused. You are listening to the kickback. We're just missing our brother EB today, but we are so excited to be with you guys regardless. So we're going to go ahead and kick off our chat. Sabrina, how's your tip? You know what? I'm doing really, really well. I guess this is sunny and 75 kind of thing for me. I just came back from vacation, but I still have that vacation feeling. And you think that after vacation, you'd be like, you know, so ready for your new uh, renewed mindset and energy. But honestly, I'm just ready for the next vacation because that one was so good. And it's like my mind and my spirit is still in this rhythm of once it's May, it's summer vacation time, Mm. even though summer's not to the end of June. I know that. So I kind of tricked myself with this spring vacation. And I did this a couple of years ago when we went out west because I came back and I'm like, what am I coming back to? Not me coming back to have to work like I should be uh, just vacation time. So my song is from the show Bobby Bobby's World. Do you remember Bobby's World, Sharika? I do. It's a little cartoon. You do? Okay, that makes me so excited. I keep forgetting that like our childhood and just things that we like music, television wise, they just vibe. They're so similar. So do you remember the little travel song from Bobby's World? We're going, we're going, we're going mm-hmm. on a trip. Mm-hmm. Plane, train, taxi cab, all the choices. <laughs> I love, I used to sing that all the time. And girl, we weren't going nowhere but to church and to school. But still, that little song was like the bomb. And I didn't realize that it had different verses. And there's a verse that says, Take a cab, an airplane, a ferry boat, choo-choo train, limo if you must. Buy a ticket, pay a fare. If you're broke, don't despair. Honey, just take the bus. And I'm like, you know what, Bobby's World? (laughs) Never (laughs) lied. There's so many different ways to like travel and uh, just enjoy a city. And I got to enjoy my husband's hometown city. Well, not his, his parents. Both of his parents, both sets of his grandparents, They're from St. Louis and the surrounding areas. And I'll admit, I've only been to St. Louis for a church conference called Urbana. But when you travel for something like that, you really see the inside of a hotel space, not really the city. Well, that was my experience. Plus, it was snowing and no one was trying to be frozen like that, exploring Mm. downtown in between meetings. So now that I've been to St. Louis for pleasure, I am like, this city is incredible. I would totally return. There's so much to do that I feel like I didn't even get to do everything and I must go back. So Mm. his grandma is turning 90 in August. And this was an early gift from the two of us because she hadn't been back there in like over 10 years. It's just hard for her to travel alone. So we were like, Grandma, so less. You can come with us, girl. Let's get it. And it was so good. The food, there's so many different ways to travel. While I was there, I did take a little train because they have a little metro system. I took a plane to get there, drove around in the cars, and I was on a boat. So that's 
what put me in the mindset of Bobby's world, but we got to go inside of the arch. We got to do a Cardinals game. Their zoo is free and it's an incredible zoo. We went to the Botanical Gardens and they had an amazing Chihuly exhibit, which is like a famous artist who works with glass. So there's just so much to see. I won't make the pod about my entire vacation, but I will say at the Cardinals game between the innings, they have like these little live commercials where they go talk to fans or do whatever. So they go and they're talking to this fan and they're doing trivia and they're like, what is this Grammy winning artist's real name? You know, he goes by this Nelly, but what's his real name? And they're asking the person, y'all, why was it actually Nelly? I totally did not Mm. like put in my mind that Nelly, like the two things didn't come together that he's from St. Louis, even though in country grammar, he raps about it. Like the very first verse, I think the first line is like, hey, I'm from St. Louis. And Mm -hmm. then he goes into like, I'm in the club and I'm smoking and perv and stuff that really doesn't apply to my life. But (laughs) I used to love that little song because of the the refrain was really catchy, but it just didn't click to my mind. So that was cool. We got to see Nelly. And really, I can say I watched a baseball game with him. And then the Cardinals won. So that was great. So that was a really long way for me to say, welcome to spring vacation. Shout out to all the kids who just had their last day of school and are getting hype and ready for summer adventures. And yeah, I'm still on my vacation. Hi, friend. How are you? Girl, I am. What am I? 73. Because I am on vacation, the weather is amazing. I am having a lovely time. I am dreading going back to work. When I tell you I am dreading going back to work, and I still have several days left on vacation, y'all. I just just already am like, oh oh my goodness, I can't believe I have to go back to work when this is all said and done. And it's like, you know, our family lives so far from us so when you get to see family it's like oh i don't want to leave you guys either but i started off my uh vacation visiting with my brother and um his girlfriend and my parents were in town so we just chilled and did the things just around his area which was nice um then yesterday um my nephew graduated high school so we went to the graduation yep i know (laughs) he's all grown up now Mm, i know can't believe it 18 years old high school graduate crazy so we did we went to that yesterday did some top golf last night then today we've been chilling. So it's been nice. I took a nap yesterday. Hadn't taken a nap in a while, but that was lovely. <laughs> this is like the vacation vibes. It's like when you live like this, who wants to go back to real life and work? <laughs> but also, those bills, though. <laughs> the bills will be there. So <laughs> back to work, I do go. But I still have a few more days of vacation. So that is, I'm happy about that. Don't know what else. I don't really have any other plans for the vacation. I guess we'll take it as the days come. I'm not, you know, this is me. I'm not the person that like plans every day. We're going to do this. We're going to go here. We're going to see this. I wish I was that person. 
but I'm not that person. So I knew we had the graduation and that was the only thing I knew. Oh, we do have a graduation party <laughs> this weekend that I, for nice. My so other than that, it's, we're playing it by ear. So I also, I also don't mind it too much because I do like a, ra- a vacation where you don't, you, you haven't gone so crazy that when by the time you get back, you feel like you need another vacation because you're exhausted. So exactly. This is nice. Mm-hmm. So and you live leave room for spontaneity when you vacation like that. I think there's a happy medium because, for example, I didn't realize that for the arch, the mm-hmm. tickets sell out really fast. I just thought, you know, va- Doug and I kind of vacation like you. We know we're going to go to a place. We might have one or two things in mind, but mm-hmm. we're not it- making an itinerary. We're not like we're not doing and we're just kind of showing up and go with the flow. And I know people who know me will be like, Sabrina, you are so type A. While I'm at work, I am in a different mindset. When mm. I am not at work, I am not like that. Uh, I do that so I can accomplish tasks and get the job done. But vacation doesn't feel like a job to me. I'm not making an itinerary. I'm just going with the flow. Um, sometimes that bites us in the butt. Like when we went out west and we didn't know that for a lot of the campsites that you used to be able to just show up at and do stuff, you couldn't. And we had to like drive miles out of the way to make a reservation. And then for the arch, we thought we just woke up Saturday morning. We're like, oh, let's go see the arch today. No, no, no. The tickets are sold out. You can see it Sunday if we book it right now. So little things like that, that can bite you in the butt. But then, for example, there is a restaurant that is all about like fine dining and local food. And for Doug and I, we're really into like the foodie part of vacation. Mm. Like what do they eat here? What's good here? What can we try that we couldn't have in Tampa? So we knew about this restaurant, but this restaurant was a place that like you needed reservations three months in advance. It's called Bullrush. But Mm. one day we're there. I was like, oh, we stayed in the Italian district of St. Louis. It's called the Hill and there's great food there. But we had already had a lot of it. So we we're like, okay, I'm just going to call this restaurant on a whim. And I had already called them maybe three days before and said, hey, do you have any cancellations? And they were like, only for 9 p.m. And y'all already know that's my bedtime. I'm not going to anybody's <laughs> yeah. restaurant at 9 yep. p.m. I don't care how fine the dining is. I'm going to sleep. So uh, <laughs> that didn't work out. But then that uh, next day when I called and I was like, Hey, did anyone just happen to cancel? And they were like, someone canceled 15 minutes ago. And I was like, we're 12 minutes from the restaurant. Can we be a little late? And it was one of the most memorable and delicious experience of experiences of my life. I have never had rhubarb and I don't enjoy, I didn't think I enjoyed beets, but y'all, this goes back to my rich life. When you have a chef who knows what they're doing, Mm. it like he combined art and the science of food like I think there are seven courses and each one Mm. was like a portrait it was so beautiful and the first one Doug and I still don't know what it was but it was gorgeous (laughs) and it tasted so good everything was amazing and it was all like the food of the Ozarks the Ozarks are really not the mountains but people from St. Louis call it the mountains. They're more like foothills, but anyway, and there's this huge man-made lake there. So he went back into the history of what the indigenous people and the enslaved people of that area would eat. And he creates dishes based off of the food that's local. Like they tap their own maple trees. 
it was delicious. And we wouldn't have gotten that experience if we were like trying to time everything out because we just wouldn't have, you know, Mm. thought like we didn't plan the trip within three months in advance. We, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. it just wouldn't have been something. It was a spur of the moment thing that turned out to be really incredible. Um, so there's things like that, Sharika. I totally feel that relaxed vacation vibe. But that's nice though. That restaurant sounds super exciting. Um, I didn't even know you could go in the arch. I thought it was just like people would take pictures like in front of the arch or under the arch. I didn't know it was a thing to get in. It is a thing. And I don't know how you feel about heights, but I definitely cried like a baby. I am such a baby sometimes. When it comes to heights, like even flying, I love to travel. But every time I get on the plane, I have so much anxiety. I just hate it. I hate it. Any tur- Like once we're smooth sailing, I'm usually fine. But takeoff and turbulence like bother me to my core. And it's just the control freak in me and me not understanding how planes work. Mm. And every time I come home off of a plane, because I'm flying out again next week and I have to fly again in July, I listen to podcasts to really understand it. But because of my mind, my brain is like, we are heavy and we're in the air. If we fall, we're going to die. <laughs> like all my brain can mm. think about. So we're going up the arch and... I think just because it's hollow, it's, it's, you know, it's an arch. I'm like, Mm -hmm. how, where's the stability? And when my (laughs) brain can't understand something, I really start to freak out. But also fear has never been something to prevent me from doing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I can be afraid, but it's like, I'm still going to do it. Like I'm here, I'm going to do it. And then it turned out once I was in the little elevator thingy, which thank God they designed it this way. When you're going up the little, you're in this little eggshell and it takes you up the arch, you don't see outside. That would have freaked me out. You just see the stairwell. So my brain is like, oh, we're great. We're stable. And it doesn't feel like a roller coaster. Uh, you just kind of glide up there really slow. I think it's like 3.4 miles per hour. It takes four minutes to get to the top. Mm. You get to the top and it's beautiful. Now, lucky for us, it was not a very windy day because the engineers knew that in high winds and they get tornadoes and things like up to 150 miles per hour, that kind of crazy wind. If there's a storm that the arch would sway. So it was very Ooh. stable. Ooh. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is very stable, but it does sway on windy days. And other tourists who are there and just some of Doug's family members were telling me that they've been inside of it where it sways. And it doesn't mm-hmm. sway a lot. I think it sways at the most 18 inches either side and it's very safe. But that would have freaked me out. By the time I got up there, my tears dried up in the line because I was like, so many people are like, it's not like a roller coaster. You'll be okay. And that's even more embarrassing because when you're crying for me when I'm crying I'm trying not to cry at the same time when Mm -hmm. I'm in a public space like that and I don't want encouragement from people because it just heightens my anxiety so I'm like I have a little tear my husband knows you know how to like make me feel at peace by just like really not acknowledging it because I'll work it out myself but the lady was like I do this all the time every day it is not scary and it's not a windy day so it's not going to sway at that point I didn't know it could sway and I was like what the (laughs) and it was incredible so if you ever go definitely go inside the arch it's worth the views and the experience but Sharika it did have me feel some type of way when I got down because where's Tampa's arch 
why don't we have this great monument? <laughs> like they do a really good job of telling the history and why they built it. And Thomas Jefferson was like, this is the gateway to the West and the whole Lois and Clark expedition and like map out this great land that we stole from the Native Americans. Uh, but I'm like, okay, but Tampa has the greatness too. We need something. So Doug and I were trying to brainstorm what could Tampa's thing be? And I'm mm. going to ask you the same question. If we had a great symbol, like New York has the Statue of Liberty, D.C. has, well, several, but they had the monument, you know, the San mm. Francisco Bridge. What does Tampa, what would Tampa's thing be? Girl, I don't know. Well, we have the, um, the um, you know, the, the pirate thing. Um, maybe we just have a big ship. Like a ship museum. Oh, Gasparilla. Yeah. Okay. See, now that's a great idea. And I know this feels like side conversation, but I was like, Doug, I'm really going to write the mayor about this because I'm starting to feel passionately that we need something to <laughs> Maybe and I a, like your a idea. ship museum. Like a, a, it's on the water, a big ship, but it's like a museum or something. I love that. And people would come in and then it's like, oh, you've been in Tampa. Have you been in that Tampa Museum? And it tells like our history. I love that, friend. It's great. <laughs> um, and better than our ideas because I was like, it could be like a big palm tree. <laughs> just like, and Doug was like, can people go in it? And I was like, no, it's just a big palm tree. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> And then I was like, maybe we could have a big orange, but I don't think the grows are really in our area. That's just more so a Florida thing. Um, so yeah. And then I thought of my hometown, Rocky Mount, if we had some monument, I'm like, golly, I don't even know. I don't even know. The city on the rise is like the same. Well, it was mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Maybe an arrow, but instead of going straight up, it kind of like tilts to the side because it's like we're trying to be on the rise, but we're not quite there ever. <laughs> so <laughs> that's Rocky Mount. I think you're from a more exciting place. So what would your hometown's symbol be? Girl, well, I really wasn't. I don't even know. I lived in Mitchellville, Maryland. Girl, no one's ever even heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we had um, all we had was we had formerly known as Wild World, which then became Adventure World, and that now is Six Flags. We had that, but as a monument, girl, I don't even know what our city was about. You know, I love the Six Flags thing. Maybe Mm -hmm. y'all have your own flag and it flies high. St. Louis has the Six Flags. Oh, yeah, just add your flag to the to the six flags thing. <laughs> yep. So I know last week we got the opportunity to talk about Queen Charlotte and we got through the first three episodes. And I said in my ignorance, I thought we'd be able to get through all of it. But it seems like we got the opportunity to dive into part two. So, friend, are you ready for this? Back into Queen Charlotte. I am. I am ready because there were some things I wanted to say that I didn't get to say the last time. All right, friend, go ahead. You want to kick us off? So my is not going to be as in order. It's going to be random thoughts from, from <laughs> the second half. 
But um, let's start with this. Let's start with um, Brimsby, Grimsby. What was his name? Yeah, Brimsley. Brimsley. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, Brimsley. Life did a number on him. Because young Brimsley, I was like, oh. And then over Brimsley, I was like, oh, my gosh. What has he been through? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he lost the love of his life. Um, because Brimsley and the, the cool thing with it is that Brimsley falls for the king's main servant. And I, mm-hmm. I, forgive me, British people who know all about the monarchy, if there's like a specific name for these people. But both the queen and the king have this servant who literally their whole life, their job is to just stay within like 10 paces of the king or the queen. They have separate ones. But mm-hmm. both of the separate servants ended up falling for each other and they had a secret little relationship, which honestly, who else are they going to fall for? Who else is really around? You always mm-hmm. have to be with this person. They always have to be with the person that your person is with. So that made sense to me. Uh, Sharika, did you like Brinsley's vibe in this? Well, okay. So I like that in, like in, in Bridgerton, he's just like literally. I don't want to say window dressing, but he is almost, <laughs> he's like not a factor most of the time. Like she will talk to him every now and then, but, but not really. Um, he, he really didn't have a story. So we got to see more of his story in this. So I like that. It made him, you know, it made me sad for him that literally his life is his duty. His life is his life is to serve the queen period that's it i'm glad he had a little bit of love in his life we don't know what happens to his uh his his boyfriend lover whatever he is we don't know what happens to him that is yet to be told but we don't see him in the we don't see him in bridgerton so we don't know what happens to him. So that also kind of makes me a little sad for him because he didn't like his life is about someone else. His whole life is about serving someone else. And so, uh, which is kind of sad. And I'm glad he had those years of love, but I also was mad at the guy. I mean, I don't even remember what the other man's name is, but he was, he had a, tough situation too because he loved or had this relationship with him but he also was loyal to the king and so he that man he had to keep this king's confidence he had to keep the king's secrets and that was sometimes to the detriment of his own personal relationship so that role either one whether you're serving the king or the queen that role to be their number one person it's it's a sad role to have because you there your life is always your life either doesn't even matter or exists or you're it's it, but it's definitely going to be second to theirs. Right. It kind of put me in I'm curious about the eunuchs that the Bible talks about, and I know some were born eunuchs, some were main made eunuchs, and some chose that lifestyle. But I just thought so. Their only duty was to like take care of the royal house, and that's mm-hmm. your whole life. But then I also think, how is it vastly different from our lives? We all have to work our whole lives. I was thinking about this while on vacation and coming back from it. Like, I've just 
always accepted it because it's life. But when I was on vacation, I was like, so really, I'm not going to be able to have this extended option until I retire. And it's set up like that for all of us in this capitalist society. And I'm sure in socialism, you know, you still have to work forever and communism, you still have to work forever. But then I think of like native peoples. I'm like, really? Yes, they work. They get their food and make sure they have shelter. But they have so much joy because not like clocking in anywhere. Mm. I don't know. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, well, he he don't have he don't even got retirement to look forward to. Literally, until his last breath, he will be serving the queen. You're right. That is true. And she even asked him about his family at one point, and then she's honestly not that interested. Um, he's like, I guess I'm here with you. And it shows him like dancing with his partner. Mm-hmm. And then when it does the flash forward, cause remember we're bouncing and we're playing with time a lot in this, it mm-hmm. shows him just his partner just fades away and it's him dancing alone. Yeah. That was kind of heartbreaking. Not kind yeah. of, that was heartbreaking. That was a very yeah. sad part. Yeah. And so I do feel bad for him, but, and you know, what's odd to me is that and maybe it's you know I don't know if it's just her keeping up appearances but as much as he's with her and for as long as he's been with her she's still not that warm to him so that also made me feel bad it's like he didn't even like you know it's not even like they became you know besties and you know I, I mean, he, you know and he has like that mutual relationship where she actually cares about him and wants the best for him it's just nope you're just he's just the servant mind you you know you know he cares for her you can tell he cares for her you can tell he cares for her very early on because he was the one trying to make sure like the king was doing, you know, because he could see how sad she was. He he sympathized with the fact that, you know, she had to leave everything she knew and she married this guy and he has paid her dust and she's just so <laughs> sad. And he tries to make sure, like, you know, he likes her a lot. Like, he's like, oh, she's smart. She's, like, great. And he just was, like, trying to get the guy to, like, help the king make, you know, to do his role and treat her, you know, be there for her. So he was even like going to bat for her. He wasn't even just like, he, he was more emotionally invested than I feel like she ever has been with him. And that makes me even more. (laughs) Well, for him, and I'd be interested at some point in my life to look into how these roles are taken on. I would assume in the olden days, it's like, you know, my father was a servant, his father was a servant. And so now I'm the servant in the royal house, but Mm -hmm. he had such this loyalty and duty to his country. So Mm -hmm. what I was seeing in those beginning episodes was this idea of this has to work and I need the king to treat her kindly because this is about what our country is looking like. So I thought to myself, what does it feel like to feel that loyal? While I love America and every time I travel, I fall even more in love with our country because we really do have a beautiful um, country, if nothing else, geographically, it is gorgeous. Um, but just like this idea of for I am doing this, as the saying goes, for king and country, you know? 
So that loyalty was there. But you're right. On top of that, you could tell that he actually, it helped that he liked her as a person. But I honestly feel like even if he didn't like her as a person, he would have been just as loyal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he would have been as loyal. I just don't know if he would have gone. Because I feel like he overstepped in a lot of, you know, he overstepped a couple of times, like outside of his realm of responsibility to do more like than he needed to because he actually really liked her and felt bad for her because the other guy was basically like sir go stand by your lady why are you even here talking to me (laughs) mind your business (laughs) but he was he was like no you like help you need to do something you need to get your mans in order he definitely was so shout out to um brinsley and if we're going now in the second half, I'd like to just do some highlights from episode four, which mm-hmm. was called Holding the King. One of the things that stood out to me was the slap that was heard around the world. And I thought it was from How to Get Away with Murder. There's an episode where she slapped someone, no spoilers, but I was like, that slap was trending. Oh, and then of course there's a Will Smith slap. So I think it would be Viola Davis's slap in How to Get Away with Murder, Will Smith, and then when the doctor slapped King George. Because at first, the doctor's kindness really moved me when he, like, Mm. stepped out from the wedding. Because four is when we start to see, like, the other perspective, right? We start to see how things were from George's perspective and him dealing with his mental illness while having to meet a bride for the first time and get married and all of that. So we can kind of see why he's been treating her shady in episodes one through three. And he steps out and the doctor is like, you know what? You can do this. Get a hold of yourself, and then just slaps the piss out of him. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh! I feel like a slap is more disrespectful than like growing up. Well, my dad really didn't believe in hitting kids in the face, and he was never really the spanker. Um, but we usually got spanked like on the bottom or on the legs. But each one of my siblings and I all have one slap that we remen- remember. Usually in our teenage years, something went down and we all got one little slap to the face. And there's just something so like degrading and painful and it's just horrible. So when he slapped the king and then the guards immediately came to like attack the doctor and George was like, no, no, it's fine. I knew that it was only going to get worse from here because in this episode, we see how the king was really trying behind the scene and wrestling mm-hmm. with his mental illness. And mm-hmm. it makes me think about like the history of how we have treated people with mental illness is just so terrible. And Inhumane. I love in yes, Sharika, that's the exact word. And I knew like in my spirit, I started to get very uncomfortable with what we're viewing on screen. Cause I was like, it's only going to get worse from here. And it does because the doctor's methods are terrible. They're mm-hmm. dunking him in pools of ice cold water. Poor King. I'm surprised he didn't drown. They're putting mm-hmm. leeches on him and stuff that, and I know like, for the sake of medicine and improvement, blah, blah, blah. Things have to be tested and tried. But these things were just so cruel. They were so they were cruel. Torture. So I was, they, they were, were methods of torture. Yes. So uh, it was so helpful when very soon after that, the queen has been separated mm. from him. And she all, and we thought too, he's just being annoying, right? Like, why doesn't he want to mm-hmm. be in the same? city as his wife but she forces her way there she's like i'm going to see the king i need to know what's going on 
And when she catches one of that doctor, you're mm. fired. When she catches one of what's happening on, and the doctor's like, well, if you do this, he can go further into psychosis. And she's like, you know what? I'd rather him not have a happy life than being tortured. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was like, you know what? My girl really loves him. So, yep. Sharika, what was your journey like? What was your response to the slap in episode four? Do you recall the part I'm talking about? Yes. I I was like, I was shook. But, girl, when I tell you I was so, I was tickled when them guards were like, oh, you finna die today. You done slapped the king. And then the king had the whole, was like, okay, no, it's all right. It's okay. I was like, oh, man. But I felt so bad for the, I was, I was pissed at that doctor. I could not stand him. He's evil, man. But I felt so bad that the king really, because at the, the, this is going to sound wild, but it's, it's, you know, go with me here, people. It almost reminded me of like Jesus, not that the king is Jesus, but the fact that he mm. did not have to endure. He could have just like I was thinking about, like he could have called his guards in there at any time. Jesus could have called the angels down at any time. But anyway, that's why I said it reminded me of Jesus, but not, not that he, he was the savior, but just the fact of having the power to not like having the power to get rid of this man, kill this man if need be, anything like, and he had the right to do so. He was the king, but he wanted to be well so bad. He wanted to be, you know, the king that he, you know, the country, he thought the country deserved, the king that his wife deserved. He was willing to torture himself, even maybe up up until death, you know, to because he thought right. he had no other options. And I guess in his mind is like no one, they've seen other doctors. No one could get him to be well. This guy's method seemed to kind of work. So he was like, well, I don't have any other options. This is the best I can do. So I'll, I'll do as much. I'll do this. So I just felt so bad for him because he was enduring this, that he didn't even have to, but he just felt there was no other way. But I was so glad when his wife came up in there and was like, I will, boy, you lucky you still alive. You better get out of here while you can. <laughs> right. Get out of here while you can. Uh-oh, our friend is joining. Yeah, so um, so I was happy. I was happy for that. I felt so bad for him because I can't imagine the weight of all of that. The weight of your country is on your shoulders because you're supposed to be the king, but you can't, you can't, you can't get it together enough to rule well and um you it's just all the expectations so I felt bad for him yeah I was thinking it's really scary actually to be King George because Mm -hmm. outside of the fact that people are constantly wanting to take power and assassinate you and then you have the weight of the country on your shoulder and then you're dealing with your own stuff and everybody has their stuff but his stuff is like level 10 stuff so then we go to Gardens in Bloom episode Five. And throughout this story, we're getting- I want to say something before you moved on. There was another major slap you failed to mention when uh Deb's there I mean, was? When- yes, when um Karen slapped Deb on One Tree Hill. That was another slap that was <laughs> you are so right, girl. Mm. And we gotta I'm also take this moment on- to say hey to our friend E B. We what's good? What's good? What's good? 
EB, we're gonna take a pause. And can you? I, I, how are you doing, friend? Um, yeah, I'm doing, tip check. Um, tip check is as great as can be in the world of America. Um, from Ooh. all types of things, from our lovely politicians to lovely friends, sometimes, sometimes family, just a little bit of everything. But for those who don't know, um, and it's not necessarily public because it's not like I care for people to know, but I was injured while having a lovely time at um, a church camp um, of ours. And I currently um, have to target a August surgery date, uh, but no need to fret, no need to worry. Um, Cause I got to go through it, not you. So it's okay. no, no need for you to think about it too much, but not. Nah, so I have a torn ACL and an MCL, um, which totally oh, sucks man. from playing basketball. Um, but it is what it is. God is in control. God is sovereign. Um, the good thing is I'm confident in the doctor that I have. Um, right. He has a beautiful resume where he served um, the likes of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Dodgers and different professional oh, sports teams um, in different states. Um, his resume goes deep. And, you know, when you get a doctor, you try to do your little deep dive and you see him in the pictures with the people, not just a name on the tap. Now, granted, it looked like part of it was during some of his residency and him just learning some of the ropes, but he's been around uh, a while and he's great at what he does. And he currently helps as one of the orthopedic surgeons for the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is a hockey team here in Tampa. So him being on their staff and on their website lets me know that he at least knows something about these types of injuries and these types of ligaments and body parts. So uh, for those of you who are praying people and you're connected to God and God listens to your prayers, I would gladly appreciate those prayers um, in regards to my health and a speedy recovery. But other than that, I am doing well. Um, um, If I had to say like a sad moment, I don't want to give a, a, a uh, attempt, but because of just the way that the world continues to work, I was disappointed this past week at the time of this recording where I had to miss my nephew's graduation because he was only allotted mm. six tickets. And of course he has parents and he has siblings. And um, as much as he loves his uncle, um, you know, he loves his grandpa more than me. So oh. <laughs> that ticket couldn't come to me. Now, granted, I could have been one of those people who still showed up and caused some form of a ruckus outside, but I try my best not to do that. So that kind of did suck for me not being at one of my nephew's graduation, but he understood it. He didn't like, he wasn't in his feelings about it. Um, he know just the way things work, but he enjoyed that lovely cash app that him and his aunt Judith sent him. So <laughs> no, he definitely didn't care. So nah, but other than that, things are good. Um, and last but not least, I've been out of work for like three weeks. And I know on this podcast, I'd be letting y'all have it about how much I am in dire need of remote work. And I would say I definitely would go on the limb and on the record to say I need a hybrid situation that is four days out, one day's in. Four days out, one day's in. Now, I probably could do okay, remote. I probably could do fully remote, but being literally out of the office and um, it's funny because I'm, I was just following orders that I was given, but on my email, my out of office email say that EB is basically out of office indefinitely um, because that's currently what it is right now. It's indefinitely through the time. That's like the medical term for people who are mm-hmm. hurt, hurt and injured and all of that. But I don't know when I'll be officially back. Hopefully it's soon. Hopefully it's in the next week or so. But at the time it's indefinitely and it's like three weeks of out of the office and it's like. I ain't got to check no emails and all that stuff. And that stuff has been peaceful. But then when you're at home and people who know me, I'm not an exercising person, which probably gives a reason for my knee being messed up right now um, or my ACL and MCL being messed up. But it's like being in a house 24 seven and like not even going outside to get a fresh air or getting vitamin D from the sun or doing a walk because y'all know I don't like outside like that. 
no beef, but I know God created the earth, but I don't care about nature like that. And I live in a college neighborhood where you see a lot of other people who you don't really want to rub shoulders with. And it's a lot of loose pets in our apartment complex. And I ain't got time to be running from dogs with a messed up leg. So it has just been stressful in that sense of just being cooped up in the house. Uh, But yeah, that's all I got for y'all. But yeah, that's how I'm doing. That's how I'm feeling. But I am feeling good and I'm feeling great. Thanks for asking. Of course. And Sharika, I would like to invite you and I to pocket our conversation. What was it about? We were doing a part two of Queen Charlotte, but that's irrelevant now because I had a thought for you all and I was going to put it on Facebook and I was like, girl, you never really post on Facebook like that. You won't get the discussion that you're looking for. So Sharika, is it okay if I pivot our conversation and ask y'all this question? All right. So Edie, I was in St. Louis visiting Doug's side of the family, having a great time. Shout out to Nelly. You got family in St. Louis? That's where both of, no, both of his parents are from their grandparents and his brother was born there. Wow, I got family there. That's crazy. I love St. Louis, EB. I didn't know I loved it, but I can't wait to go back. It's great. Yeah. But one thing that I always do is check the diversity of a situation. Whether I am going to a grocery store, definitely when I'm landing in a new airport, I'm always looking around to see how many other minorities, how many other specifically black people are around me because that makes me feel safe. No shade to anybody who's a majority. But I had a question for myself this weekend when I was in St. Louis and I was in some, not just with my husband's family, but just in public places where I was like counting. And usually if I can count, like if I can count, I'm like, it's not enough. So yeah. uh, I have a, my thought is, is it fair as a minority who is 13% of this population to want to be in a hundred percent of the spaces? Hmm. is it fair um so is it part- fair to feel that way because like i'm saying when i am in spaces where there's not a lot a lot when i can count on my hand how many other black people i can see i don't feel as comfortable or as safe and then we can take it to outside of that like work if i hop on a call with corporate executives and i'm the only black person i'm like where are the other ones if i'm looking at you know this other company's page or they are doing this commercial but then i'm also like girl you're only 13 percent of the population so you're only going to be in 13 percent of the spaces it's not fair for you to think you can be in 100 percent of the spaces but is it so how do y'all feel about that or have you ever thought about that yeah i can chime in real quick before um sharika dives in i would say as far as fair like you are free to feel however you want to feel um so i would <laughs> say it's definitely fair you know that's on you but i was just thinking through statistics just in general, right? We're like, even Florida, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't meet the top 10 requirements of the amount of, you know, what what someone considered a black population, so to speak. And like, I was kind of shocked by that and not saying that it just couldn't have it because I know it's a lot of, so diversity here. But then I was looking at the places that I would be like, like right now, if I'm looking at this list in DC, if you want to count that, it's literally like 50% um, of the, 50% is a black population, but then it got Mississippi at 39, Louisiana at 34, Georgia this at 31. Wisconsin. Wisconsin probably non-existent. Um, <laughs> nah, nothing's up. 7%, seven and a half. Well, never mind, because the last one is Montana, and a few are 1%. But you look at some of those places, and it's like, I have no desire to stay in some of those places, um, let alone know that I'll be in a space with nothing but being the 100%. Now, I will say, 
um, what helps me in those type of settings or navigations is trying my best to enjoy or embrace the diversity because we know in Revelation, for those of us who lock in the scripture, we know that's the end goal or that's what the outcome will look like of people being from a little bit of everywhere. And I've also been in spaces where you would assume that it will be only, in a sense, one demographic or one race. Um, and then that's not the case. Like you just go to, if, for those of you who are bored and you just want to try something new, go to your local, I say local, go to an HBCU in the state that you live in if you have that. And you'll see a lovely diversity of people. And you'll be like, dang, like even sometimes like in a jealous sense of being on FAMU's campus, being on Bethune's campus, being in Jacksonville, like Edward Waters campus, being at Florida Memorial campus in Miami. And this is just a place I visited with um, either younger athletes who wanted to experience something different when I was with one of my cousins at a time of just trying to show some people who look like us, just what the college experience is. I was in a sense shocked at the diversity on these cap- campuses. And if I'm being honest at the, European Americans who were attending these institutions that, you know, I didn't even attend. And I'm like, they got something out of life better than I did. Mm. You know, like they have the HBCU experience and I don't even have the HBCU experience. So um, it's one of the things that I would say it's not necessarily bad to feel like it's not fair because you're free to feel however you want, but I'll also embrace the, the the diversity that's in, you know, certain places. Like it's some places you don't want diversity, right? Like if um, the Klan is out hanging somebody, I could care less about diversity in that circle. I would hope, I would hope that it's one race <laughs> and it's not a race that looked like mine's that's there. Um, so it's sometimes you, you're in settings and you're like, yeah, go ahead, be the 100%. When Harriet Tubman was freeing <laughs> slaves, it was glad to be part of that 100% of those people migrating <laughs> to the North. <laughs> so, And I know some people will find ways to be like, no, it should never be that way. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe we should have had an ally leading the way and saying, no, these people are with me or I'm their master. Maybe we Harriet Tubman should have had that, but that wasn't the case. So that 100% of those people fleeing slavery was amazing. You know what, Ibi, that idea is genius. I wonder why they didn't try that. Sorry, I'm why getting sidetracked. They, so I didn't know who they could trust. <laughs> they ain't know they could trust, and they would have. He would have. He would have took him in there. He would have just had him at slave somewhere else. Like, I was, and and I don't. And I know Sharika about to answer real quick, but I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about America and how you know we hear it all the time, right? Greatest country in the world, America is great. Blah blah blah. This is like our founding fathers owned people. The people uh-huh. that are highlighted own people. And we tell people that money is the root of all evil. Outside of Benjamin Franklin, those people who are on our currency are people who own people. Like this money still owns us. And that's the faces that we choose to use use to continue that same system. What I would consider that system of oppression and that almighty dollar having a sense of control on us for the things that, of course, yes, we need sheltering and food and water and all these things. But it's like, why why them like you mean to tell me that there is not a group of and i'm just using the currency that we typically use the one the five the ten the twenty the fifty and a hundred for some or the card and i know we have plastic but you mean to tell me that there's not four or five in influential individuals that we can just throw on our currency all at once and let that be the, the currency moving forward of course not because of just the way that this country was built like we're struggling to still get harriet tubman on the 20 dollars. i was just about to ask whatever happened to harriet yeah, Obama tried that. Be on the was, Obama started that, and then he was followed by somebody else who mm. um, stifled that, um, who shall remain nameless. I can't mm. wait to see him and our governor go at it, but that's another story. Listen, <laughs> okay, that was another topic. I'd hope if we don't get to it today, we gotta talk about it because 
We got to. Um, but before we do that, thank you, Evie, for that response. It sounds like for me, I feel comfortable with my thought process, especially in places where the demographics aren't matching. So sure, we're 13% of the population, but if we are 50% of this city, then, and there's zero of us in any leadership positions, then I'm like, okay, what's the deal? Um, Sharika, how do you feel? Well, I had a few thoughts. Um, I don't feel like it's, it is, um, not fair, but what I do, what I am wondering is, um, based on our history, you know, uh, us being a minority, the fact of being, um, unsafe is, I think, the major thing. Now, when EB was talking about how, um, he's seen minor, uh, not minority, he's seen some of the majorities in the spaces of like HBCU, I would love to hear their experience of being, of being the minority in the, in, in that place, in that space. And do they feel fear? Cause I'm wondering, I don't, um, I wonder their experience. I would love to hear, you know, a person of Caucasian descent who, who is in the space of majority people of color, what their experience, do they feel unsafe? Do they feel like, what is their sense of feeling? Because for me, the saddest part, like it wouldn't be bad to be in a place of like being the minority in a majority situation. The issue is when you feel like, I'm not safe because I'm the minority in this group of people. So that's, those are some of the thoughts that I was thinking. What, um, it, it, the issue is the fact that we're often not safe and we're, and then we're also villainized in the, in, in the situation right. where we are unsafe. Well, I would, that's a really great idea. And I would love to get someone on the pod that we can speak to. So I'm really going to look into that because I have connects at different HBCUs. So stay tuned, listeners. We're going to be talking to uh, a majority in a minority space. Yeah. I would love to hear their experience and what, you know, what it, what, what things, how things have been for them. The other question I had for Evie specifically, but we can all talk about it because I've seen it trending and we know Evie is our resident sports advisor eb lebron's legacy thoughts comments questions concerns <laughs> not definitely so uh that's a great question or a great thought um i think one of the things about sports right and it's the same thing i would say entertainment as a whole whether it be musicians um whether it be actors actresses some form of entertainment where people will have their preference on who they appreciate a little more than others now, it is very unfortunate for someone who have been what some would consider one of the greatest athletes of all time. Some would even say the greatest basketball player of all time. And some will say at least the greatest in the past decade or two specifically, which is all valid arguments depending on who you are and your preference. What's unfortunate is the way or in the manner that the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, right? Because there's a big and in that where people see this team sport very, very individualized um, for him and a lot of great other athletes. Like when the Bucks do bad, nobody was saying that the Tampa Bay Bucks suck. They just said Tom Brady is old and he's tired of it. And so I would say that I would not necessarily submit his legacy off of that loss. But in my um, perception, in my perspective, and where I get a chance to voice my opinion, um, hopefully on a podcast that LeBron will hear one day. 
hopefully, um, will be that he can't be considered the GOAT with the amount of losses and in the fashion of these losses that he has had. I know some of his fans who may be listeners of ours will say, did you not see what he did? Like he had X amount of points, X amount of rebounds, X amount of assists. I'm like, yes, he did that in game four when they're already down 3-0. If he would have kept that same energy on those other three games, it probably would not have been a sweep. Um, But that's just me. I have a bias, and I can admit that, I have a bias towards Michael Jordan. I enjoy Michael Jordan over LeBron. And also, if you ask Michael Jordan, um, if you ask LeBron, he will say, like, that's like the ghost from Chicago that he always chased. He wears number 23 for that person. So I'm also the person who will never typically argue someone's place with someone that they won't even argue themselves, right? Like, it's like not saying he doesn't place value on who he is or what he thinks he is or how great he thinks he is. But if he's not having the debate about him and Michael Jordan, um, at least yet, then why should I have that with someone else? It's just not it. But we know he's a great athlete. We know he's a great basketball player. We know if you ask him, he would say he's more of a better husband and father than anything else. Um, So I think his legacy is cemented in that of over 20 years. And he hasn't retired yet, so he'll be back likely next year. Um, That has been submitted in a person who has not gotten in trouble, has not cheated the game outside of teaming up with his friends, which a lot of people hate. But if I had the opportunity to do what I love with my best friends, I can tell you that I probably would too. Like I'm not sitting here saying, oh, let me compete with Sharika or let me compete with Sabrina. And we're going to do the same thing, the same type of job when we can all work together at the same goal um, and have fun and get paid buku amounts of money doing it. I probably would go that route as well, but shout out to him and sucks that they lost. Hopefully, um, Hopefully he's back next year. Hopefully. Hopefully. And, you know, I was thinking about this because I didn't see what the big deal was that he lost. I feel feel like his legacy is already cemented. We know he's a great player, but not – Sharika says it all the time. Even a a broken clock is right twice a day. And I think the reverse is also true in the sense that even the greatest has a bad day, an off game. I couldn't believe this made – it a conversation about his legacy so i wanted to hear from somebody who's much more in a sports than i am to try to gain an understanding do they really put that much weight on championships because basketball is a team sport you can't carry the game alone but it sounds like they do they definitely do and i think again it depends on who you ask right because some people will talk about him being the all-time leading scorer in nba history meaning nobody in the nba has scored more points than him in the regular season or the playoffs than he has um i think he's like either top 10 in rebounds top five in assists about to be somewhere on the top so all statistical categories he has done exceptionally well but for some people they'll look at it as and it's more so the comparison game right like Kobe played mm. 20 seasons, five championships. LeBron played 20 seasons, four championships. Michael Jordan played 15 seasons, six championships. Other people, um, Bill Russell, I think 11 championships, uh, um, 13 seasons. I think Kareem, um, six championships, 20 years. And so you have those comparisons that people will make. And if you ask him, like him as in LeBron James, he will tell you that this wasn't a successful year. Like they failed. Their goal is to win the championship. Um, when you have a level or expectation of excellence or your standard is that high, then yes, this season is a failure, but your legacy isn't cemented by this one season. And that's the part that sucks. And the other thing is with all sports and with entertainment, it's all opinion based. Like there's no measure that says this is the greatest athlete of all time or this is the greatest basketball player or this is the greatest football player especially like you said when you're talking Sabrina when you're talking about team sports like in boxing we can say that Floyd Mayweather is 50 and 0 like there's no other boxer who can say that and that's an individual sport if you don't count of course the trainers and the coaches and all of that um for some 
Like we will say that Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player, right? And for others, they will say, no, she's not because she doesn't have this many of this or this many of that. Or, you know, she was in an era where there weren't that many other talented tennis players. No, she just dominated in a way that it made everybody else look average. Um, That's the same thing with a Tiger Woods, where some people are wanting to cement Tiger Woods' legacy based off of what we've seen these last few years as if he hasn't dominated a sport for so long and he has been struggling and he has been terrible. And it is one of those things that, you know, some would say you need to hang it up, but when that's all, you know, it's really yeah. hard to tell somebody to give it up. Like it's hard. It's like, I can't speak for everybody, but it's like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of somebody. It's like telling TD Jakes to stop preaching. You know, nobody would say that, right? Somebody would say, no, he's going to preach like everybody else until he dies. And I know he passed the mantle recently of his church to his daughter, but more so he still is preaching, still engaging. And I know some people are like, is he comparing God's work to someone playing a shooting a stupid hoop? And it's like, God called that person to that. Like, that's what God gifted that person to that ability. Like, you can go practice as much as you want and you won't make it to the NBA. Mm, not you know, at all. Like, that's just what it is. And we wouldn't tell that person to give it up or hang it up. Or if somebody has a bad sermon or a bad revival, we're not measuring their success as a pastor based off of that. So it's like one of those things. I won't necessarily do that. He just won't be my greatest of all time. And that's okay. Like, that doesn't make him a bad athlete. Very true. And like you were saying, it is subjective because it's not like all the people that we may say, Okay, Michael. Some people may say Michael Jordan. Some people may have said Kobe. Some people may say LeBron. But it's hard to say that when these people, like I think Kobe probably was the in between. He played with Michael Jordan, LeBron. He played with LeBron, but they were all kind of in different stages and places. They they weren't all like okay, twenty three at the same time playing this game in their prime. Yeah, definitely. The joys of sports hawks. <laughs> I know. Good. <laughs> it's good stuff. I, I pray that he continues to just shine and do all the good that he's doing in his community because love that. I love the memes that he's giving me. <laughs> love his little moments over there. And I pray he continues to just win more championships because, you know, at LeBron, everybody has a time where they're not tip top. But like EB said, it does not take away from all the success that you've had in the past. And he literally has a physical legacy. His children are doing this. Literally. And they're doing it well. Yeah, that they are. Didn't know that part, but glad to hear it. <laughs> so I'm assuming he has children who play professional basketball or college no. basketball. One is getting ready to go to play for the University of Southern California. He just committed in one of the most amazing, um, I guess I'll say, recruitment slash signing videos that I've ever seen. Shout out to Bronny James. Um that's his junior, but it was just a dope video. And then he has another son who's in high school, Bryson. And then they have their daughter, um, who I don't think she's an athlete. I have not seen that yet from her. I'm maybe wrong. I might, might have missed it, but I don't think I've seen her in any playing any sports or anything like that. But yeah, that's his legacy. And he would consider that his prized possession on top mm-hmm. of his wife, of course, or under his wife. I don't know how he rated. Shout out to his wife, too, because when I talk, think about somebody who's classy and together, I think about her. Haven't heard her voice, much like um Steve Hardy, Harvey's daughter. <laughs> They're just minding their own. Uh, what's the shirt you got, Sharika? Drinking their water, minding their business, looking beautiful. And I love that for Black women. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, I'd like to hop into our scripture uh, today, and it's from Second Samuel. 
And basically, Saul's been tripping. You heard Sharika and I talk about Saul last week. And now, you know, it's time for him to get his medicine, as my dad would say. He's been acting ugly, and now he's going to get the fix. He's going to get the punishment from God, which is that he's going to die on the battlefield. So that has happened, not just to him, but to him and his sons. They're in battle with the Philistines, and they're all taken out. So that's the setting. We're going to start in uh, verse Two, because David and his camp are not at the battle because Saul's been trying to kill David. So David's been like away to protect his life. But somebody who was at the battle, who knows what happened to Saul, they escaped. So disheveled and obviously unmourning, this person who escaped fell to their knees in respect before David. And David asked him, like, what brings you here? He said, I've just escaped from the camp of Israel. David's like, so what happened? What's the news? And then the guy goes on to tell David what happened. I was leaving and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. And David is like, well, tell me the details. Don't just say they died. Like, what happened? And the guy says, starting in verse 6, I just happened by Mount Galba and came on Saul, badly wounded and leaning on his spear with enemy chariots and horsemen bearing down hard on him. He looked behind him, saw me and called me to him. Yes, sir, I said, at your service. He asked me who I was and I told him I'm an Amalekite. Come here, he said, and put me out of my misery. I'm nearly dead already, but my life hangs on. So I did what he asked. I killed him. I knew he wouldn't last much longer anyway. I removed his royal headband and bracelet and have brought them to my master. Here they are. So, of course, David hears this, you know, out of the scripture now. And he's sad and he's grieving. And then after he has that little moment, he's like, bring the guy back. Bring the Amalekite back who brought this report. And so now we're on verse 14. Do you mean to say, said David, that you weren't afraid to up and kill God's anointed king? Right then he ordered one of his soldiers strike him dead. The soldier soldier struck him and he died. You asked for it, David told him. You sealed your death sentence when you said you killed God's anointed king. This was an LOL moment to me. This was a moment for me, not even about snitching, but just like keeping certain information to yourself. You don't need to share everything because how is he going to like let the guy come and the guy is showing him respect. The guy's telling him what happened and David makes it seem like, okay, thank you so much. But then he's going to kill you for sharing the information because you killed God's anointed. Not to mention God's anointed was the person who was trying to kill David. So David just had this deep honor and respect for God's anointed and you know David didn't even think it was in his right to kill him he was like I'm gonna let God take care of that I just laughed and then I felt sorry for the little Amalekite because all he did was share the report he no but he lied too because he didn't even okay if I'm remembering correctly he didn't even that was not even true because the guy that no that was true I thought the guy that killed Saul was killed himself right after because no, he was, his armor bearer, he saw oh, his armor bearer to do it and he right, didn't and do he it. And so his, Saul did it to himself. to himself and then his armor bearer killed himself because right. he was like, now Saul has killed himself. Now I'm going to kill him. But here's the thing that we found out in second Samuel verses one through 18. Saul fell on his sword, but he didn't right. die. So he that's going why he's to. like, I'm barely, he was going to. So I guess the Amalekite could have been like, you know, I'm not going to kill you. You're almost there, but you had the king before you and you're right. like, 
uh, do I put them out of this misery? We do as much to horses and our pets. He's like, might as well, you know, do them a solid. Take them out of this misery. It's like when you see a, a bug on the ground and the ants mm-hmm. are like eating it and the bug's not fully dead. Sometimes I will just stomp on the bug because I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. Why does the bug have to be eaten alive? The ants can still have their feasts and, you know, we're putting people out of their misery. So I don't think he but- lied when he first showed up. He admitted the fact that he was the one until David pressed him for more information. Um, but do you feel like still- he... I feel like he was trying to be, I almost feel like it was like the guy who brought the report. Like, I feel like he felt like, oh, I'm going to, like, this guy's been after David. Like, I'm going to show, like, I'm loyal to you. So I killed him. Do you feel like he was being like that? The only reason I don't is because in the message version, verse two says that he showed up disheveled and obviously in mourning. So he feels some type of way. Maybe he's disheveled because it's a long journey. Maybe he's disheveled because war back then was like, you know, just like it is now. It's trash. People are dying all around you. You end up having to kill someone. You barely made it with your life. So I think he killed anyway. Right. Oh, man. I'm like, dang, he probably thought, you know, oh, my gosh, this happened. Where can I go? What can I do? I'm going to go to David because people are saying he's going to be the next king, and I'm going to tell him what happened. But I feel you should have just left the part out, sir, about how you did that. You could have been like, you know, Saul was on his sword, and then he died, and it was so sad. I watched over to see him, but I didn't make it in time. (laughs) We'll see, but now you're lying, Sharika. You got to just omit, you know? You can't put yourself in danger. What did my parents used to say? Don't, you know, put your soul in danger of hell's fire. If they were like, are you lying? You putting your soul in danger? It's like, dang, is it that serious? But yes, it is. (laughs) I would have just omitted. Lie by omission. Saul is dead. He was on his sword. That's all they needed to know. That's all they needed to know. Um, E.D., what are you expounding on today? There's so much to discuss again in this crazy world of ours. But what I, cause I know we'll talk about it in the future just because it's just the way that politics work. Um, but quick, quick notes of stuff of yes, Florida governor has announced his presidency, but of mm. course, none other than former president has already begun trolling him on social media <laughs> with lovely AI videos. And I can tell you that as just a spectator, um, it is beautiful and amazing. Now, one of the things that we don't always talk about and we say it shouldn't happen just because it's like, why would something like this um, happen in the world anyways, where people, and I'm saying people as in the government take advantage of our elderly. Like we already encourage people not to, you know, play with the elderly. You're like, nobody want their grandma to be going through it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The Supreme court just recently ruled in favor Thursday of a 94 year old Minnesota grandmother who claimed that the state violated her constitutional rights when they seized her condo over an unpaid tax debt, then sold the property and kept all of the sale proceedings, which were far above what she actually owed Geraldine. Yeah. So I only got to tell you what, the, what she looked like. If her first name is Geraldine Tyler on the condo, which, uh, hold on, seized which the county that she resides in, they seized the payment for approximately 15000 in outstanding property taxes, penalties, interest, and all that beautiful cost. And then the home was sold for 40000 Under the state's forfeiture laws, the county kept the surplus proceeds, in this case, the tune of 25000 Now, in my mind, it's all wild to me, but it's just like, if you're already going to sell it, why not sell it for the debt that you owe? 
But because of the greed of our lovely government, it's like, of course, we won't do that because that would be the right thing to do. But again, you know, it's the great country that we live in. But shout out to the Supreme Court for coming to, um, I would say, her aid. But something that I do want to tell you guys about, because I told you every time something like this pops up, I'm going to make sure I keep you guys aware. If I said the name Oath Keepers, many of you probably won't know what that means. If I said to you the name Stuart Rhodes, many of you probably won't know what that means. But if I say January 6th and I say the beautiful riot that took place at the Capitol, most of you would have some form of an idea of what I'm talking about. Now, granted, you might not know the individual, but I just want you to know that an amazing judge in this country of ours, because we just talked about this lovely government of ours and how the judicial system be on and off, and it'd be sometime, and as we would say within the Black community, it'd be sometime, like that's when people are on and off. But this time, I would say they got it right, where they sentenced Stuart Rhodes to 18 years for his role in the Capitol riots. Now, most people... Not everybody, because we know that, you know, the jail system or at least the jail system in America, it doesn't really fully rehabilitate people. Now, it does for some people where some people get out and they have changed their life. I mean, completely. This guy, not so much. You know what he said after, right? He basically told the judge, he said, I know you're going to basically put the hammer hammer down on me, but I just want you to know that I'm essentially just a political prisoner. Um, And on the video, right, he said that they won't. The video that he uh, a message that he sent out ahead of the January 6th attack where he said they won't fear us until we come with rifles during the trial. He said that his only regret was that they should have brought rifles. So this man don't even learn his lesson. So and usually y'all know me having um, brothers, brothers that have served in prison family members that have served, knowing the damaging effects that it can have on people to be institutionalized, um, where this man basically has not learned, don't care to learn, and basically have said that he hopes him going to prison. Let me, let me, let me, let me quote him. Let me quote him, because I don't want to misquote him. And y'all be like, there's no way he said that. He said Rhodes called himself a political prisoner and said that when he talked about regime, regime shame in a phone call with his supporters earlier this week. So not last week, not the other week, but earlier this week that he hopes that him going to prison, him being incarcerated, him being sentenced for his lovely acts on January the 6th, that it motivated them and for former president Donald Trump will win 2024 and the people are scared. Now, shout out to the judge. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's spelled A-M-I-T, which probably is Amit or Amit and then last name M-E-H-T-A. Before handing down his sentence, he said, I don't want to speak too long, but I want you to know you, sir, present an ongoing threat and a peril to this country and to the republic and to the very fabric of this democracy and i think sabrina just said it a terrorist because that's exactly Mm -hmm. what you are when you present an ongoing threat and apparel to this country or the people who reside in it i pray that he don't get no early release i pray that he knows jesus and he gets that sense of bondage and freedom from that but i hope that he is literally not released until the spring of 2041 do you hear that the (laughs) 2041 The spring of 2021. I hope he get every last bit of these 18 years and more. Um, You, sir, you are a present and ongoing threat. And I hope that you are in a beautiful cell with 
somebody who's there with a long time um, as you, and they are fiending for some form of presence um, in whatever sense that means. I don't know, but have fun um, where you're going. Have fun where you're going. One thing ED gonna do is hope you heal and wish you beauty, whether that's from a prison <laughs> cell, a basketball but beautiful <laughs> you gonna rock but I hope it's a nice cell. yeah it's I don't want to say it's terrifying because I had the god of angel armies protecting me mm. and even when it's my time to go if you think you're not gonna get the revenge you saw what happened to the messenger who thought he had a little good word for David don't you okay god will avenge me if you do me dirty such as there's that, but also there is this element of uneasiness when I think about how bold these domestic terrorists mm. really are. And when I think about the fact that one of the Republicans, ah, in, a, in, a, in an ED term, lovely candidates running said, if he wins, he's going to free these people. Mm. Like, how do they not see that? You know, those Confederate war flags, because that's the war flag, the actual Confederate flag, they said look too similar to the American flag, so they use their war flag. The one that's flying all the time, that's what they want. They want war, and they want to take us back. So I hope he rots, and I don't hope it's a beautiful cell. I hope it's ugly and it stinks. (laughs) Which I recommend it for the people. (laughs) That being said, I do have a recommend, and we have referenced this podcast before. I'm not sure if we ever have recommended the whole thing. We may have recommended segments from it, but y'all, one of my favorite comedians is Jess Hilarious. She's on Mm. Instagram as that, and now she is hosting the Breakfast Club as a special guest. I don't think she has a permanent spot yet, but if she doesn't, she needs to. Charlemagne, DJ Envy, she is so good on there, and I followed mm-hmm. her just her page probably for like two years her sketches are amazing i regret not seeing her when she was in tampa but honestly you know the fun monies i didn't have it like that at the time <laughs> Jess, i'm sorry girl you gotta run it back uh but she is so funny and her on the breakfast club is going to bring me to it the breakfast club is already a great way to just be tapped in on the culture and uh, that sort of thing. But with her there, I'm like, okay, now I'm following the Breakfast Club. Every episode she's been on, I have enjoyed to the fullest. It's amazing. So check out any of the recent The Breakfast Club episodes where Jess with the mess or Jess Hilarious is mm-hmm. hosting. Evie Sharika, what do y'all have? Um, I, for me, go ahead, was, Evie. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sharika. No, no, go no. Ahead. Go ahead. Um, for me, I don't have a video or a book or anything specifically for you guys to tap into. But what I do have for you um, is for you to start paying attention um, just in light of what we see within our country, in light of what we see in politics, whether you're an independent, whether you're a de- Democratic, whether you're a, Repub- um, a Democrat or a Republican or a, a conservative, a liberal, or you're none of the above, like you don't care about none of this stuff. I would say tap into your voters registration card for those of you who are um, eligible to vote and pay attention and vote in those primaries for who you think should at least be in the running. Um, for those of you who are in the state of Florida um, or somewhere else, I don't know, wherever you at, because I don't know how primaries fully work. Um, I can tell you that right now, even though I wish I could. But for those of you in Florida, let's do everything we can to make sure our governor has another seat. I don't know what that seat is. 
Um, I know some people are like, no, we don't want him to be our president because the way he's treating our country. And I'm, I can tell you, as much as I didn't necessarily like Trump and Biden, I'm not really rocking with him. But like Obama didn't necessarily change my lifestyle. Hillary did. Um, Bush didn't necessarily change my lifestyle. Clinton, from what I understand, he didn't necessarily change my parents' lifestyle. Um, but those people at that top, you know, hopefully we have better legislative bodies in the Senate and in the House that can make things better. But as far as my governor, I need him to go. Um, mm-hmm. Just seeing the stuff that's happening with our school system, the stuff that I'm seeing happening with our teachers, the stuff that I'm seeing happening with just young people as a whole, he's just not the fit for the state that I don't see myself moving out of. And that's the real big deal. It's super selfish. Um, and I get that. And I'll be all up for that. But I'll glad it's crazy, right? I'll gladly accept him to be our president over him being my governor. Um, I don't want that. I can't agree. The I can't agree because him as our president, it'll just happen on a on a grander scale. You know they're taking money out of public libraries. Well, we already know they're banning the books. He said no African American history. Oh, but the Asian history, we can keep keep that. that. We can keep that. So, but it's not wild because it's, it's election season. So once again, they're going to tap into a part of the culture. Like, Hey, we kept yours. Yeah. Yeah. So we want these votes. And it's like, there is no masking. We can see clearly what this is. It is clear. And I already had to deal with Trump and his clear racism. I can't have because Trump is essentially <laughs> he's his own worst enemy. He gets in his own way. If he could shut up in a way that DeSantis has, like DeSantis is going to be much better with words. He's like mm-hmm. the the he's like the wolf in sheep. Well, he's not even in sheep's clothing. Like I said, it is clear. But I think DeSantis is a lot more dangerous because for all the things that Trump said and blah 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 blah. Guess what? African American history was still being taught when he was president. You know what I'm saying? And so, DeSantis, I just can't. I just can't. Do you, ah! So if, the, let's say DeSantis won the Republican seat, does that mean, if he doesn't like win the election, can he still, does that mean he's going to lose his seat as governor? That's what I'm wondering. No, well, and he that's was the part changing laws. he changed the laws to make sure. Exactly. Like, it's like, he don't even got faith in himself. And that's the part that frustrates me about those type of stuff and the laws oh, that we changed. Lord. But he don't even got enough faith in himself where they just changed the law where if he yeah. doesn't win the presidency, he can come back to his governorship. No, mm-hmm. when you leave and you go on that campaign trail, you, you should, should be relinquish that. That's like right now, which I get it because it's like you don't got the job yet. But there's in in most worlds, I ain't gonna say everywhere, but in most worlds, like there's no way I can go to my supervisor right now and say, hey, I won't be here for the next four to six months because I'm interviewing for other jobs. I don't know who's <laughs> gonna be doing my job, but I won't be doing it. But if I don't get the job that I want, I'll be back to get my job. Like, no, it don't work like that. Like he should have to relinquish his seat. And yeah, that's one right. of the reasons why we, and I'm saying we, I'm saying myself included, why I tell listeners, I tell friends, I tell family, for those of you who are eligible to vote, that's why it's more important for you to vote in local and state elections than for you to vote in our national elections. And I'm not saying the presidency does not matter. Like we know that America still holds what some would consider the most powerful seat in the world. I get that. And we know what happens in America naturally impacts the world but where i live at and i see what's going on in my country man i got to do everything i can to stay sane at best as possible i know but as the president like okay i need not just him to go but i'm going to be doing my research so i can see all the people who are also voting on these things and allowing these laws 
and these bills to go through because it's not yeah, just yeah, yeah. him on his own. I need all their names to be out and exposed and we need to do our work. The TikTok generation, let's get it. Yeah, I need the TikTokers to get on TikTok and all of them <laughs> change their card to Republican and go in there and just vote for neither Trump nor nor DeSantis. So we I disrupt it to somebody I, I else. Just, so, but my thing is, as president, even though you're the leader, I think you have a little, I think you don't have as much um, freedom Shaka, as- you don't think Trump influenced the country in negative ways? He does, but I don't Earth? think he, but he couldn't just make it changes like, like the Santa's can So he, he could have, he could, he could have. He, he didn't have the majority. Yeah. Right. So, and that's the part, that's the part that, you know, is somewhat scary. So- this is what it is for me in my head right now. And I, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, it's going to be interesting to watch him. And I say him and Trump because I don't think the other people like the Nikki Haley's, the Larry Elder, um, what's the other dude? It's like a couple people, um, Tim Scott, I think. But the people who run it, like, y'all don't have a chance. Like, why are y'all doing this? Y'all Not waiting, a chance. Y'all wasting votes. <laughs> like, let the people, it's like, why why get in the ring? Like, when you know you don't have, you don't have nothing. Now, granted, I guess they got enough because somebody helping pay for it or they got enough money where their money is getting tapped in um, or, you know, whatever they do for their businesses to be able to be on these campaign trails. But what I will say is the, what's going to be interesting, I guess, is I guess how much dislike do people have for our current presidents when it comes down to voting on that side? Because it literally has people who will only vote for Trump, like where they won't vote for DeSantis at all. Like where at least for some people, it's like, well, if we lose, at least I'll go with the side that beat me in a sense. Um, where mm-hmm. some people are like, no, nope, I'm just going to go against the grain as a whole. So I agree with you, Sabrina. TikTok generation, we really need y'all to step it up because y'all really have the power to make a huge difference um, in in our future, not just yours, but in our future as a whole. Like you can change the trajectory of this country because of just the vastness of how many of you guys it is. And so, yeah, we need y'all. Go ahead. Make sure y'all reels just... <laughs> impact society and not just crack jokes all day long. Which jokes are good. You can do that too. But let's let's have a let's have a healthy rhythm. <laughs> do the jokes at the polls. Do the dances. At- <laughs> yeah. so, that's the only pole dance I want to see TikTok generation. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh Shariko, um, what are you this episode is so long by the way, but <laughs> what are what right, they're gonna get a great time. They're gonna have a great time with me. Yeah. Um, I I mean, my recommend, I'm like literally all over the place with my words today. My recommend is that you go see Little Mermaid this weekend or sometime soon. I um, have not seen, obviously it's not out yet. It doesn't come out till the 26th, but by the time you hear this recording, it will be out. So I'm recommending you go see the Little Mermaid and uh, support our people. Are y'all going to see the Little Mermaid? Do y'all have plans? I'm not. Um, so the Little Mermaid, and then on that Christmas, I, I know color, per- I know curl of purple supposed to come out. And it's not that I don't want to. I definitely plan on seeing it. I just mm-hmm. that will be something that I wait till it comes on the streaming services. Um, but it won't be something that I. I want to see it in go out and watch I'm, now on the big screen. I feel like it's going to be beautiful, like advertising. I want to wait for you to come back from vacation and watch it with you because. Okay, I was going to say the same. I was going to be like, Sabrina, do you have plans? Because if not, I want to go with you. Yes, let's watch it together. Um, Okay. Yeah, that's the only way I'm going to see it. (laughs) Doug's not, he's not sliding for the Little Mermaid in theaters. Or maybe, 
there we go. So we'll enjoy it. Um, we'll enjoy it together and talk about it. Uh, thanks for mentioning the color purple EB mm -hmm. because I didn't need to see it the first time. You know, no disrespect, okay. mom. You know, you my girl. But the fact that I saw that movie as a kid, I'm like, probably, probably not. I'll, me and my sister do the little color purple hand clap and stuff like that. But I remember it being a little like trauma. It was just sad. I don't want to misuse trauma, but mm -hmm. it was sad. It was sad. Mm -hmm. And that's all I remember feeling sad and like, oh, it's, it's just not a vibe. It's kind of depressing. I've never Thank read the you. book, haven't seen the musical. So I'm with EB. The way he said no to the Little Mermaid, no explanation needed. It was just no. That's no, how I, I feel about this color purple. Now, I might buy a ticket to help the black dollar and then just not see the movie. Because if that if is just somebody. about us. Yeah. Or if, if I'm in the area like, hey, I see you're going to see. No, I will just buy the ticket because I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I would be too shy to just go to a stranger and be like, hey, you want this free color purple? When I, I don't even want to see the movie. So, But I do <laughs> want to support Fantasia because my girl. She's always been an amazing singer. Uh, the Bailey sister, she's showing up again in the color purple. Mm -hmm. And I'm rooting for everybody black, but I will not be going to see that. <laughs> I have yet to see the first one. And I didn't, I don't, I don't want to see this, this one either. I'm with you, Serena. Like I haven't seen it, but all the things you said confirmed exactly what I felt and thought it would be. My husband was like, you, he's like, you want to root for everything black, but you didn't see the black empowerment move me, movies. I'm like, but how was this empowering? I was like, the, the, the terrible I mean, things they go rise through. Above, but she but, did rise above and there, it eventually got there, but it was just like Taylor Swift sings life is emotionally abusive mm -hmm. and it is. And I already know that I don't need to see it. Yeah. In my entertainment all the time. And I know I sound hypocritical because when Ka Kaepernick was kneeling, that's the same thing that people were saying. We already know black people have it bad. We don't want to see it when we're coming for the football game. I don't care. I'm a hypocrite. I'm going to kneel all day, but I'm not going to see the color purple. And it is what it is. And if you don't like it, you're anti-black. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We need this yep. episode to end. <laughs> there we go. As always, we hope you enjoyed this other this another episode of the kickback um if life tries to knock you down make sure you kick back until next time <laughs>